Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Kitchen Table. Today, my special guest is my daughter, Evita Duffy. Evita, welcome to the kitchen table. Thanks for having me. Well, today we have three topics that I'm dying to get your take on. So we're going to be talking about Britney Spears, her new bombshell memoir, The Woman in Me. And we're going to talk specifically about, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out of this book. I mean, this book is highly anticipated and the leaks alone will make you want to get it. Um, but she talks about a very powerful subject, which is her abortion, uh, an abortion that she had with, um, Justin Timberlake as the father of her aborted baby. And so she she reveals some information about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I'm I'm not the hugest Taylor Swift fan. I love her music, but not always loving her, loving her in love this time. And you and I are going to discuss that. He has a little bit of a different take on that. If you have, I, we talked about it briefly and I said, don't say anything else um, because uh, you and I do not agree on this Taylor Swift um romance thing. And then you wrote a fantastic, very interesting article about a TikTok trend called the tube girl. Is that right? Yeah. The tube, tube girl? girl trend. The tube girl trend. Yeah. And it's fascinating. Um, something that uh, uh, kind of reveals the narcissism of your generation, but it's, it, it's very interesting. So I hope people will stick around for that because it's the number one story on the Federalist with all the news going on in the in the world today, um, your article about this TikTok trend is actually the number one story at the Federalist. So we're going to talk about it's that. Not, not anymore. Not, it wasn't. It was. It, it's not today, but it was at number one during this week, which shocked the heck out of me. Um, so we are going to get to that as well. But let's start with Brittany um, Ibida, because as you know, her book comes out, came out today, I believe. Um, and as I said, it is a bombshell memoir, The Woman in Me. And she has a lot to say. I mean, I, you're really young and probably don't, I remember when Britney came on the speed on, on the scene, when Britney Spears came on the scene, um, she was, I mean, she was the number one star. I, everyone wanted to be like her. They, I mean, hit me baby one more time. We talk about her a lot actually on Fox and Friends, Evita, because he, Hegseth is obsessed with Britney Spears. I think his, she was like his coming of age crush. And I don't think he's ever quite gotten over Britney Spears. So she's always in and out of the news because of things that have happened in her life. She lost um, her, her conservatorship was uh, terminated in 2021. And since then, 
Um, she had a lot of people rooting for that. And then, of course, um, she everyone was rooting and, and thinking she, you know, she finally found love and happiness and she has this hot husband. And then all of a sudden things started to spiral down. And and here we are now with this bombshell memoir. And in it, Evita, she talks about her abortion. I'm going to read to you what she says in it, because it's it's just, it's so heartbreaking. Um, it, it, it just really takes your breath away because you realize how young she is when, when, when she says, when, when this happened and um, you can hear it in her, in the, in the words that she, you know, how she describes it. She says um, of the abortion or of the pregnancy, she said, and the abortion, she says it was a surprise, but for me, it, the, the uh, pregnancy, I'm sorry, it was a surprise, but for me, it wasn't a tragedy. I loved Justin so much. I always expected us to have a family together one day. This would just be much earlier than I had anticipated. But Justin definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy. He said, we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. If it had been left up to me alone, I would never have done it. And yet, Justin was so, so sure that he didn't want to be a father. To this day, it's one of the most agonizing things I have ever experienced in my life. Just breaks your heart, huh? Yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was, was really, really sad. I think that it was one of those situations where you and I talked about this before the show, but you're not really allowed to talk about post-abortion trauma in our culture. Yeah, it's, it's like the one left, taboo, right? The left says it's not real. And then they need to say that, right? For their, for their you know, for, for the abortion movement to exist, you need to do two things, right? You need to say it, abortions have no effect on women and that it's just mm-hmm. a clump of cells because otherwise their whole this whole movement of theirs falls apart at the seams. So I think this was a really interesting pop culture moment to see a celebrity that people have revered actually express having post-abortion trauma um, and, and, and actually associating that with the way that her life has turned out because Britney Spears is, is really a tragedy all around. If you look at, at the rising star that she was to who she is today, it is, it is, horrifying to watch and now everybody has to admit that this this agonizing abortion that she went through uh was a part of that and contributed to who she is today uh, and the pain that she goes through all the time and then also i mean justin timberlake what 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 a beta male what an what what a terrible example to young men that he he's face to face with this kind of situation this hard situation that a lot of people have to go through but admittedly is can be difficult for anyone who you know is is not sure about their partner um, or, or unsure they're ready to be a parent. And his reaction is instead to say, let's kill the baby. Let's not, you know, think about what Brittany wants or, or what's right for, for my unborn child. I think that was, he came off really like a villain from this memoir. Yeah. And he's worried about the way he's come off, by the way, his own wife, just, uh, Jessica Beal has had her people, you know how that works. They have each other's people talk to all the tabloids. And so Jessica's people are like, well, you know, Justin feels terrible about this. And, you know, they're trying to clean up the mess a little bit because they're worried that he does come off badly in this. And of course, we weren't there. Um, we're hearing Brittany's side of the story. Yeah. And we do know that men often experience um, post-traumatic abortion syndrome as well. 
and deal with a lot of the guilt of that. And so it's interesting to see, um, you know, his ex, I mean, his wife, you know, cleaning up the mats from his ex-girlfriend's memoir. Um, maybe you're right about being a beta male. Maybe he should have come out and said something himself in this. But let's go back. I mean, you know, you may not remember. You were really, really young probably when this happened, maybe not even alive. I can't even remember. Um, but the first signs that Brittany was sort of going off the rails um, and probably dealing with a lot of this trauma from both being a child child star and all of the pressure that that puts on people. And then on top of this, coming from a very Christian home, which we know she, you know, has, has Christian values and kind of came from that, 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 you know, POB, if you will, um, in Louisiana, in the deep South, um, that she, you know, she must've struggled a lot with this. And it's very clear from the memoir that she did. The first signs of this was, I remember that she, you know, shaved her head bald. And everyone was like, what the heck happened to Britney Spears? And it was from that point forward that we just started to see her spiral and eventually her parents, you know, her sort of these stage parents in, in so many ways um, jumping in and she had this conservatorship and just everything was so crazy for her. Um, when I read about that she decided to include this story about her abortion in the memoir, I thought about a couple of things. Um, I thought about the first thing you said, Evita, which is that, you know, Post-abortive trauma is real. I Just this past weekend, I was talking with a woman who went through that um, and still is dealing with, you know, her feelings. She's trying so hard um, to make something positive out of it. In fact, she runs a, um, a, a pregnancy crisis center, started an incredible pregnancy crisis center in Florida um, as a result of that. that and there's just two of them now. Um, that she runs at, as the executive director, but you know, and they have a post uh, post traumatic um, abortion uh, group for you know a, a mental health um, therapy group for women who are going through it. It's called Rachel's Vineyard, um, and so they provide that kind of kind of counseling for women. But it's interesting, you know, if you that truly, you know, the 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 other side of the issue, the the, the pro abortion side will say, well. We are the ones who care about women, but they don't acknowledge because they don't acknowledge that it's real. They don't offer therapy or mental health help for women who have gone through that trauma. Um, they have to live, as you said, by the belief that, you know, or by that narrative that nothing was there. It's just a clump of cells. Uh, so the only people, and by the way, the medical community is the same way. They don't recognize um, post-abortive trauma either. And so it's really the pro-life community that has been there for women, helping them get through these moments. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that that is very true. This is going to be sort of, it's, I hope that will be a clarifying moment for a lot of people who have still been in denial of, of the effects of abortion. I also, I kind of want to talk about what this means for us as a culture, that we have promoted Britney Spears uh, and viewed her as an idol. And really, this was just a, a really young girl who was cute and, and had some talent, right? Uh, and, and that, I mean, the child stardom that she experienced ultimately destroyed her. And she yes. turned out a terrible example for a lot of young people who, who used yeah. to idolize her. Um, 
and then I, but then I think, okay, so instead of, instead of looking up to the, to the superstars of the world, the pop stars, the singers, who should young people look up to? The doctors at the AAP who are telling us to, to <laughs> view, you know, we, we have to redefine male and female genitalia to, to be these absurd, you know, pro trans names, um, that I won't even repeat because I think they're so bad. Um, that we don't, nobody, my point is that we don't have anybody to look up to you. The, the people in our society, who you think should be the ones giving a good example in medicine, in politics, in, in education and history aren't doing a good job either. And then of course, Britney Spears yeah. isn't doing a good job. So what, what do American kids, who do they have to look to? Who, yeah, who it's a real in- vacuum. It's a real vacuum. It's a, it's an excellent point. By the way, the people you're bringing up, the politicians who are feted, AOC, for example, or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or these doctors that you talked about, all of them promoting the lie that abortion, um, you know, has no effect. It's just a clump of cells. It won't affect you. That they, they, they make women believe that they can end their problem, this, this unplanned pregnancy. And, and all it does, the abortion, is begin a whole new set of problems, give women a whole new set. Of, we know that women who are post-abortive have you know, um, alcoholism, depression, drug addiction at extraordinarily higher rates than women who haven't. So we know it's real. Um, it's, I mean, I think about growing up, you know, I watched the Oprah Winfrey show. Everybody my age loved the Oprah Winfrey show. I, I think post-abortive, you know, therapy, I mean, a post-abortive um, trauma is may- maybe the only topic that was never discussed, even on Oprah, yeah. where they discussed every other kind of trauma, you know? Here's the other thing I think that this um, this Britney Spears story uh, brings to mind, and that is that, you know, women who end up getting abortions often, more often than not, don't want the abortion. And they get pressured by men, just like she got pressured by Justin Timberlake. I saw um, a, a poll not too long ago, Evita, where they said 80% of women who had an abortion said if they had just had one person offer to su- give them support and help, they would not have had an abortion. And I, I, I really believe that poll. I think it's absolutely true. It resonates with me when I talk to so many post-abortive women. Um, but also a lot of them just say, I was lied to. I really believe the lie that this was not a baby. Um, and it wasn't until I had a baby and I, you know, began to understand fetal development and, you know, started to, you know, and all of them, by the way, also count the ages of the, the age that their child would have been. Um, it's just so heartbreaking. The other thing that I think this brings up, Evita, is that most abortions, you know, you hear the abortion side always talking about these medical emergencies that require people to have even you know, late-term abortions. Um, the truth is most abortions are because of convenience, as in the case here. I mean, here you had two, I mean, they were young, no question about it, but they were multimillionaires. Um, there's no way they couldn't have afforded to take care of the child. And there's no way that I'm sure both of their parents would have helped them um, with this situation as well. Um, there certainly was no shortage shortage of money. Yeah. It's complicated. I think it, I think even with all the money, it still created a complicated situation because, right. you know, oh, they want their professional ambitions, right? 
yeah, that. And and then, you know, Brittany might want to get married to somebody else or Justin wants to get married to somebody else in the future and then have a kid with somebody else. And that's that's really complicated and it throws a wrench in things. But um, but I think when you when you look at the reality of the situation, which is it is a human. And I think a lot of women believe that in their hearts, too. Otherwise, nobody would have any qualms about having abortions. They wouldn't there wouldn't be 80 percent of women saying, oh, I would have done it if I had had this that would have had the support. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't happen if it if it really is just a clump of cells. You don't you don't get post-abortion trauma if it really is just a clump of cells. Um, and so I think looking at the reality of the situation, you can't really kill innocent human life to fix your problems. That's never the answer no. or to it get around. All, it brings a whole new set of problems. And you know, that trauma is, is going to increase because when Britney Spears had that abortion, um, you know, she went to a clinic, she had it that way. And usually the, what they call the contents of the abortion, which are the baby, um, the, 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 the girl or the woman having the abortion never sees it. Today, almost 50% of all abortions are chemical abortions, which means they're being given pills. They're being told to go home or to a hotel. Um, I'll talk to you about that in a minute because there's a thing now called, you know, it's, it's abortion. They're, they're basically vacations for, for you to go have an abortion on your own in a hotel. So what happens is they get these pills and essentially we're turning young girls and women into the abortionist. So they go to their bathrooms and they wait until the, the pills take effect. And then they pass the, the baby whole into the toilet. And often, of course, they're going to see, you know, what, what that is. And there's no denying when you see that, um, what's happening. And you can imagine that that only amplifies the, um, the trauma. I met a young woman once who told me that she works at a hotel. Um, she's a manager there, a very high end hotel in a, in a sort of resorty area. And she said it over the last few years, she's been getting that, you know, the hotel was getting these exponential numbers of, you know, something they've never seen before of emergencies, you know, uh, you know, they're having to call people, you know, uh, somebody who's staying at the hotel calling women, calling down, saying, I need an ambulance. It's an emergency. I'm hemorrhaging. And after a while, they're like, what is going on? How can it be that all these young women are hemorrhaging? Well, it turns out, um, and and this young woman um, figured out what happened, is that they're going to get the, they get these pills. They come for this sort of staycation, you know, vacation, abortion. um, And they'll stay at a hotel because they know they're going to do that that weekend. And you know, they can order up food and it's just a, a much, you know, nicer environment, I guess, in their home. And they're being told when they get these pills, to, if they have to call the emergency, they have to call 911, not to say that it's for an abortion, just to say you're hemorrhaging. And so that's why they kept getting your hemorrhaging. Uh, these women are hemorrhaging. So it's, um, it's, it's getting, it, it's getting crazier as the, te- you know, the, the, the ability to get an abortion becomes easier, but it actually it puts a lot more burden on the woman because we're turning these young girls um, into the abortionists themselves. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. The abortion pill is a really interesting topic because over the last 20 years, the FDA has slowly deregulated the pill Mm -hmm. uh, and and made it much more easier for you to get at a younger age. Um, And it is not safe. This is not a safe pill. Oh, there's... 40% 40% more co- more complications than with an abortion, your, uh, a traditional, you know, surgical abortion. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And women, women die, women get, I mean, they become infertile from it. They, there are so many complications that come with, with these, um, you know, what, chemical abortions. And actually, uh, this, this is going through the courts now, there was a judge who tried to go back to the restrictions that were on it, I believe 20 years ago, uh, and say, hey, you guys, expedited all of these deregulations on the abortion pill this it it has proven not to be okay and also they they weren't allowing um hospitals to document uh how many women were were actually uh coming to the hospital because of these chemical abortions so or dying from these chemical abortions so there was there was they were messing with the numbers and we knew that they that there was actually was actually hurting more women than we were being led on to believe and the Biden administration is now fighting that in court uh and they want to keep driving it up to actually go back to the way it was with all the deregulations which ultimately if you're if you're a real you know pro-abortion person and you care so much about the health and wellness of women which is what they always say the chemical abortions, I mean, have have done irrevocable harm to countless women. And to say we're going to deregulate it just just to make abortions more accessible to the detriment of women, I think is really, really hypocritical. It's very revealing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said that, you know, it's such a lie that they care about women. They've never cared about women on the other side. If you cared about women, um, if you wanted to empower women, you would want them to see their ultrasounds before they had an abortion. The information is power. Um, yeah. that the abortion lobby has fought truth and nail to keep women in the dark, to keep their lie going. They don't want women to know what's really growing inside of them. And too often, young women find out what they did after they have another child and figure it out. Or tragically, Vita, after they are infertile. Um, and they don't know, you know, that, that, that these were the risks. Um, the other side, the abortion side of the, uh, those, those advocates, those activists, um, present it like it's no big deal. It's just part of healthcare. They like to call it, um, you know, healthcare. Um, and, and it's not. Um, it's a very, very serious and, and traumatic 
psychologically traumatic experience to go through and too many girls don't know about it. And that's the last thing I want to say about it is that healing is possible. And I've met, as I, as I've told you before, dozens and dozens of women who have had abortions um, and have healed from it, but they have had to work on that healing. They have gone to places like Rachel's Vineyards or their church ministries. Again, it's not Planned Parenthood helping women after they leave the clinics. It's always the pro-lifers. And that's why I always say that pro-lifers are the feminists and in this conversation, they are the ones looking out for women and children and wanting to make the conditions better so they don't have to choose between um, themselves and their dreams and their life and a child. And I think that that the other side tries to present to women that somehow you can't have a life um, if you uh, have children. And, you know, I have nine kids and um, I can tell you, you know, it's possible to, uh, you know, achieve your dreams and have a child at the same time. Much harder to go through life with the guilt and the trauma of an abortion, in my opinion. Um, and the stats bear that out when it, you look at alcoholism, drug addiction, and depression rates among the post-abortive. So I hope that this story about Brittany, it's very sad, um, but I hope it's instructive. I hope it also is instructive to men um, who can see, um, you know, what Justin did. Maybe he has a lot of regret about it. I know he certainly has a lot of PR regret about it, that it came out in this memoir. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to undermine what he may be going through. He, he may have a lot of regrets about it too. And I think, you know, he was probably fed the same lie, um, that Brittany was fed. Um, and so many young girls are fed that it's not real. By the way, Brittany has, um, two, two adult children. Uh, well, young, young adults, Sean Preston, 18, Jaden, um, he is 17. So, I mean, these, these children also are going through it. They lost a sibling. Um, in that abortion, and now they know about it. So, so that's a sad story. But let's move to a happier story. So Taylor Swift, I don't know. I kind of know how they met. Like I guess Travis Kelsey, this you know famous NFL football players for the Kansas City Chiefs, you know had she was coming to Kansas City for a concert, and he, he's always had a crush on her, and somehow he made it publicly known that he wanted to meet her. I don't know how they ended up meeting, but they eventually met. And boy, it's hot. It's heavy. Um, every time there's a game, he seems to perform better. I have a lot to say about that. Um, cause I think that's not a coincidence, but she looks happy. She looks so happy, Evita. And I couldn't believe when I told you that I'm not like the hugest fan of Taylor Swift, but I have been loving watching her be in love. And you were so cynical about it. Why? Okay, so first of all, I will just say I'm not a football fan, but I feel for all of the real football fans who have been complaining <laughs> that every single game they have to see Taylor Swift uh, show up every five seconds on the screen. Or then also uh, that the NFL has changed. At one point, it changed its Twitter background to Taylor Swift. And football <laughs> fans, men who don't care about Taylor Swift are just like, I'm done. Stop with the Taylor Swift. So I have to bring in a new demo. I love that. It's not a new demo. Everybody who didn't watch football is not about to go watch it because Taylor Swift is is showing up on the screen. I don't think. Okay, my opinion on Taylor Swift and her her new her new love object. Taylor Swift has moved from man to man to man 
throughout her whole young adult life. This is a woman who has never had a real long-term relationship. Um, she's always really in love in the beginning, and then she drops people. And uh, and actually, <laughs> there's a lot of rumors that she actually cheats on people. Um, this is a this is Taylor Swift's way. And actually, what's what's really annoying is she will break up with someone or someone will break up with her and she'll write a song about it. And this is what she always right. does. She writes a song about it. People make fun of her for doing this after every single one of her breakups. And then she calls you uh, anti-feminist. You're anti-woman because <laughs> you criticize me. It's the most obnoxious thing ever. And I do not believe that this is going to be a relationship to last because Taylor Swift has proven that she's she's not a great partner. At one point, you have to ask if you've been through this many partners and they always seem to add really, really poorly, except for maybe one or two. Maybe the problem is Taylor. Maybe. OK, so I'm going to push back on this a little bit. So first of all, um, he seems different than all the others. She seemed to have been attracted in the past to these very effete British type guys, artists, musicians. Um, and that's kind of weird too, because I think it's really hard to have two people in the same industry. I mean, she is a super, super, superstar. Um, uh, and I think that that would be, that would make any man who's in the same field as her feel, you know, um, a little insecure. So this new guy, Travis, is, uh, with, the, with the exception of his, whole, th there's, there's only one small beta thing about him, and that's that he shills for Pfizer, which is really gross. But let's just put that aside for a minute because um, he's probably just making a crap load of money off of it. Uh, but he is very manly. I mean, he is buff and strong, athletic. Um, he's, you know, he seems to have sort of this all-American, you know, very alpha male kind of sensibility about him. She seems to be madly in love with her. And I don't know. I, 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 you know, she's, she's making friends with Travis's, you know, teammates, wives and doing crazy little like handshakes or whatever they're doing up on the, on the stands. And I know everyone says it's really cheesy and, you know, everyone's making fun of her, but I love it. I think, you know, she's, she's up there. She's having fun. She's watching his games. He's performing better. His coaches have said, keep this going. Every time she's at a game, he is performing his best. I can tell you, Vida, not the same thing, but your dad, when I met him, was doing lumberjack competitions and he was a three-time world champion. And he also performed better um, whenever I was at uh, his competitions or when he would do exhibitions, he would climb that tree faster or chop that, that thing quicker. Um, even now, if I catch him in the, in the workout room, if he, if he hears me and I can tell, he can see me coming in. He seems to just, you know, try harder. Um, I'm loving this. I'm loving the effect they're having on each other. I have a prediction and, 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 you know, you may be right in the end of Vida, but I believe in love. And I think this one might actually last because this guy seems like all American, I saw, you know, his mom, she seems like a very typical American mom. Then he comes from a very typical American family. Um, I don't know. I think that the normalcy of, of him could uh, resonate with her and bring her back to her own roots because she came from, you know, a normal middle-class family. 
I love the optimism. I think it's, <laughs> I, th- I just think Taylor's track record shows that as a realist, this is not going to work out. This is just going to be, and I, and, and part of it, I think is, is the feminist ideology that, that she prescribes to. I mean, this is, this, this is a woman who has fully bought in to the selfishness of feminism and, and the, the perversion of feminism and the disrespect toward men of feminism. That there, there are. You think that writing songs about these breakups, you think that's disrespectful? No, I want to. No, I, I, well, I think that's an, I think that's inappropriate, but sometimes it is, right? I mean, sometimes an artist has to, you know, act on her feelings. Yeah. At one point, it seems to be like she's using her relationships to, to, you know, make songs, right? There's something weird about that when it happens every single time. But what I'm saying is she, she fully prescribes to the feminist movement which at its core does not, it is anti-man. It's, it's something that does not view men as a positive force. It, it, it calls their masculinity toxic. And there are many women out there who actually say, mm-hmm. I wish that I, that I could be with some of these Republican guys because they're buff and they're strong and they look good, but wow. I just don't agree with their politics. And He's probably a liberal guy, so I'm not saying that that Travis yeah, Kelsey shows for he shows for Pfizer. Maybe it sounds like kind of a liberal, but but, but, the, but let me let me push back on that. Go yeah. ahead, go ahead. No, no, oh, go I ahead. Just, I, I was just saying that I I think that she has prescribed to an ideology that makes having a genuine relationship really really difficult um, because it's all about her and and it and it's not about compromise and it has an inherent tinge of of hating men. Yeah, I will. I will concede that it will be hard for somebody as famous and pampered as Taylor Swift to adjust to sort of what it takes to to be in um, in a relationship where there has to be give and take. But let's be real: this guy is super famous in his own right. Um, you and I are not football stars. I'm uh, football watchers, but he is a massive star. He's at the top of his game in every way, shape, or form. And I think he's formidable in that regard. He's in a different sphere. He's just as successful, you know, or almost as successful as she is. If you just look at them in their different, in their different fields. That said, again, I think she actually came from very, a very normal point of view. And then she got really famous and fell into that crowd with that horrible Lena Dunham crowd of like, you know, really miserable, young and single feminist. And I think she did go down that track, right? And I think she also wanted to be accepted by Hollywood in a big way. I remember for a while she was, you know, stubbornly refusing to weigh in on politics. And then they pressured her and pressured her and pressured her. And she was young and susceptible to this kind of pressure. And then eventually she just, you know, was like, can't beat him, join him. And she jumped in full force and started to, you know, express herself um, politically. And I think alienated some people in the process, but clearly not enough because she is like, you should see these concerts. They are, you know, packed to the brim. She's making billions of dollars. She's got this movie coming out. Um, I, I think a little bit of it was her trying to fit in. And I wonder, Vita, if she is with this guy who seems to be the only kind of guy that can match her, you know, she needs someone who can can match her in strength that he is just buff and strong and and seems to be very sure of himself. And maybe this is what it will do to break the Lena Dunham spell that has taken over Taylor Swift and turned her into um, such an obnoxious sort of um, feminist figure in America. 
Um, maybe she'll just go back to her back to her roots. And you know how it is. A lot of people, you know, they get married, they have babies, and they were like, "What was I doing back then?" Um, so I'm 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 just going to say this. I'm loving it. Um, I saw an article that said that the sign that she's truly in love and head over heels is that there were pictures of her kissing him where she didn't have her signature red lipstick. And so they're saying this is a sign of how comfortable she is. She's able to not wear all the makeup and just kind of be herself. And doesn't it look like she's having so much fun up there in that in that box at the football game with all all of his friends and and whatnot and his family? I, I am so sick of the Taylor Swift fawning articles. I'm <laughs> this I can't win you over. For this love. Is a woman. Her concerts are awesome, I'm sure, because it's full production. Mm. Even if the music isn't amazing, it's it is a very well put on show. I know people who have gone yeah. to Taylor Swift concerts, they say it's amazing. Makes sense. That doesn't mean that she's an amazing artist. Uh I think I think. I think uh, my Mark Hemingway, the Federalist, you guys had on a while we ago. Had, we had that. him on to talk about this very subject. But Go I also that that her. But wait, wait, what did he say? We had him on because he wrote an article that that made him like famous in like an like an infamous way. Um, yeah, he was in the Daily Mail. <laughs> he was getting skewered all over because he was the bravest man in America to come forward. And his article basically said that the rise of Taylor Swift, her stardom, her superstardom is basically a sign of the end of our empire. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I so I don't I don't know if I would go that far, but I understand. the <laughs> And I'll also say that in a relationship in the very beginning, it's always awesome and there's always puppy love and it's, it's new and exciting. And so, of course, I, I believe that she's in love. Do I believe that she has proven herself to be somebody who can handle a long-term relationship, who can be a good partner, who doesn't revenge cheat? No. So I don't have a lot of high hopes for her, but, but, I, but I appreciate your optimism, mom. <laughs> yeah, I'm optimistic. My advice to uh, Travis Kelsey is to drop all the beta stuff, get rid of the Pfizer stuff, and just be that alpha male that Taylor Swift needs. That is what will tame that beast, um, an alpha male. Uh, and I think that combination of their both of them having that kind of success and rooting for each other in each other's sphere and not competing with each other, but building each other up. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for love. I'm loving it, Evita. We'll have more of this conversation after this. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I also loved your article about the two-girl trend on TikTok and Instagram. So why don't you, for those who don't know about this trend, why don't you just lay out how the trend got started and what it is? So there's this young girl in who lives in London. Her name is Sabrina. And she posted a video of herself uh, in in the, the London underground. They're like the London train, basically public transit that they call the tube. And she's dancing to music with her headphones in. So the music is playing in her headphones. 
and it's in 0.5 zoom. It's, it's kind of cutting all over the place. And it's, it's just her sort of feeling herself, dancing, looking fun, carefree while she's on public transit. And people started to emulate the trend and say, we're, we're going to do it in New York or in Philly or in Philly or in LA on our way to public, on, on our way using public transit as well with the 0.5 zoom kind of dancing to random songs. Um, and then they use the hashtag, hashtag tube girl. And it has over a, a billion views on TikTok. Really this hashtag does. This, was, this she, was she famous before? Was it, what, what, what was her name again? I forget her last name, but her first Sabrina. name was Sabrina. Sabrina. Yeah. So was she an influencer before this or is this what made her famous? I think she, I mean, I think that she was sort of like semi TikTok famous. Like she might've had a few videos go viral, but as far mm-hmm. as I know, like she's not a famous girl. She was actually on her way to one normal fashion internship that she had in London. So she's not, she's not a celebrity. Um, she just sort of sparked this, this trend, this movement which she says is an exercise in self-confidence. Uh, I think right. it's an exercise. Well, well, so, in- so that's what, well, let me just stop, pause for one second. So that's what has spiraled this. Because she says this is about empowerment and this story about her doing it has been picked up by, you know, everything from Good Morning America to, you know, as you said, you know, a, a billion, you know, um, uh, users or viewer views and, you know, all this emulation, which of course, um, you know, just keeps spiraling this trend upward and upward. And it's because there's the, the claim is this is girl power. This is so empowering that you can, you know, record yourself. So let, let, and let me ask you that is somebody else recording her as she's doing, as she's singing and dancing with her headphones on, or is she just propping up her phone? Oh, she's, she's holding her phone. Got yep. it. So she's holding her phone and she's dancing. And so everyone is watching her dance. They don't hear the music and somehow overcoming that sort of social anxiety or fear that you might have of, of looking crazy on, on your bus or your subway train or the tube, as they call it. That is what's empowering. The, apparently, that's what she says. And is so, it? N- no. So I... <laughs> my argument in my article that that you know did did well on the Federalist, kind of oddly enough, um, is that it it's it's not really about self confidence. The reason that they're making themselves all these girls are making themselves look really foolish on public transportation is to be part of the trend and to get a lot of likes and views on TikTok. It's not for themselves. It's for validation on the internet. And I mm. think it's a horrible sign that young people would sacrifice uh, their dignity in person, in real life, to then look cool on social media. I think that's completely backward. Uh, and I also think it shows a real lack of respect for the people around them because, uh, you know, it, it's it's a distraction. It can be, depending on how crowded it is, it can be a hindrance. And it also, you're reco- they're in the background, right? All these people on their morning commutes or, or evening commutes <laughs> back home are in the background of all these videos. They didn't consent to that. It's now- kind of the funny part about the video, right? Like she's dancing and singing. They have no idea what she's dancing or singing to. And you just see these people just kind of looking straight ahead. They just want to get to their, to their job, you know, um, on the subway. I Here's what I thought was interesting about it, Evita, and this might show my age. Um, when I saw it, my thought was the narcissism. 
And not the narcissism in the way that, you know, just posting on about your day, like I'm on the subway, like everyone should care. I don't mean it like that. That's been discussed over and over again, but that this, whatever it is that she's doing is just for herself or specifically for, as you said, these anonymous people, you know, on, on her social media. And I say it in the sense that I remember when people would do flash mobs and you might go to the mall and all of a sudden everyone busts out and they're singing, you know, old English Christmas carols, or they bust out and they're dancing, you know, to, to some coordinated song, you know, at Grand Central Station and once on Fox and Friends for a, a birthday uh, gift for one of my co-hosts, um, someone from the network who's a dancer at Fox Business organized all these people to kind of come into the studio and surprise them with this flash mob of this dance. So that's something that actually brings joy to other people. I remember I've been in that situation where a flash mob suddenly happened and it just made me happy. I was like, that's amazing. Um, but this is purely for your own enjoyment. The other part is it's supposed to be so empowering and it takes so much courage. Do you know what takes courage? Doing a flash mob in Iran, which was done, and all those people ended up in jail, um, you know, just trying to be happy. I think that was the song they danced to, I think, Be Happy or something like that by Justin Timberlake. And a bunch of them got, you know, arrested and sent to jail for that. That's courageous. Um, just being on the on the subway and and looking like a crazy person and making everyone around you feel uncomfortable, not that empowering to me. Yeah, I, and that was something that I, I I brought up in the piece because I think I'm not trying to say that you should never look foolish in front of people, like that no. you should always be afraid of what other people think around you. I think having having self respect and respect for those around you and and politeness and good manners is a really positive thing. But sometimes you need to be impolite to do what's right, and that happens all the time for for Christian conservatives. In my view, I mean, we live in a culture that's closing in on you all the time. And anytime that you do anything um, that it, that is right, oftentimes you're deviating from the norm. So mm. that can be really hard. I mean, in, in college, I'll take like, I mean, I was, I was on the outs all the time, constantly getting called a racist, xenophobic, you know, crazy person. But it was for a reason. I was willing to do it for a reason. The, the girls in Iran who were dancing are doing it for a cause. Yeah, there's no a point, cause 100%. Here. This is mm -hmm. just about themselves um, and looking stupid and, and making other people uncomfortable for themselves. And I think that is selfish. I don't think it's empowering. And I don't know why the corporate media is constantly encouraging this kind of narcissism and foolishness. It's really annoying on their part. Yeah, I just think it also speaks to just your generation. I feel so bad in so many ways that, you know, social media has really done a number to the social life of so many young people. I mean, you and I have talked many times with dad on this podcast about how social media has impacted people's dating lives and people think it's positive, right? Like I've got a, social, a dating app. Well, the reason why people need dating apps is they're not meeting anymore in social settings that used to be sort of, um, the way people did before, uh, whether it's in the workplace because of Meet You, people are afraid to meet there. But mostly, I just think kids are on their phones at home instead of, you know, clamoring to their mom and dad like I did every single day and night trying to get a chance to get out of the house and go meet my friends. And we wanted to be social. We wanted to be together. We wanted to talk. We wanted to have slumber parties 
Um, you know, nowadays, even when little, when young girls have slumber parties together, they're on their phones, you know, they're not yeah. engaging, they're not talking, they're not socializing. And then you transfer that into the, 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 the dating sphere and, and, and you see where people are at. I just feel bad that so many young people, um, turn to these silly little trends. Um, and listen, I mean, I get it. I don't want to overthink it either. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of things I, you know, that, that, um, me and my friends did. I remember on homecoming. Oh my gosh! If my friends are listening, they're gonna they're gonna just be mortified that I I outed it. But we all were going to a dance and we were all dressed up and we got to a red light and we were like, let's all get out and just take our picture in front of the car because the headlights were there and the lighting was there and we yeah. all jumped out of our car and you know someone you know we snapped a picture and and then we got in the car and we thought it was so amazing and it was just so funny that we did that. Um, you know, kids do stupid stuff. I get that. You know, that was probably not a really smart thing to do. But um, these TikTok trends, to me, it's the homogeneousness of it, right? Like this girl in London does it. Now everyone across the world is doing it. And maybe that's unifying in some way. Uh, but there's also something really kind of sad and pathetic about it as well. I think what's what's really sad and pathetic is if you look at the amount of time that young people spend on their phones, I guess they say that Gen Zers, which is, you know, like 18 to, I'm probably, I'm butchering the numbers, but, you know, late, later teenagers, young adults, that, that age group, spending like seven hours or more on their phone a day. Oh. That, I mean, that's, that's almost, that's like a huge portion of your yeah. waking hours consumed totally. by your phone. Um, and they're wasting the best years of their life, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's never a, a better time to experience life than when you're young. And and so it, to me, it makes perfect sense why if your life is your phone, you would be willing to sacrifice looking, you know, foolish in person to look cool online. But it's such yeah. a, it's a it says it says something really sad about the state of of young people um, and 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 probably why it's really important to not have, let your kids have a phone when they're young, or if you have a phone, um, I, my, my husband talks about, Michael talks about it with me all the time. He's like, you just got to get off your phone because it's true. It, it's meant to be addicting. It's meant to be all consuming. It's designed. It's by design to be addictive. Yes. And it's not, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be holier than thou because I get on my phone all the time. And me sometimes too. I, I'm just as addicted and I, and, and I have to watch it too. And dad is also telling me, you know, I don't use a laptop. So like all the articles I read are on my phone. Um, everything is there and it's so easy and you can access it so easy, but you can also get sucked in. I, you know, somebody might send me a video, which takes me to an Instagram reel and I'll watch that. And then suddenly there's another one and there's another one and there's another one. And, 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 and if you're not careful, you know, it's, it's a time suck. So, so yeah, but I think more importantly, back to your point, it's just people need authentic relationships, real, uh, real relationships. And the phone creates um, these these virtual spaces, make you believe that the people who are on your you know social media are your friends, and it's not; it's virtual. Yeah, it's or makes you feel like you have human connection because it and it's you, it, that's right, and it's not authentic connection, correct? And you and you know that inherently. So if you're if you're feeling lonely, you're on your phone, and there's always somebody that you can talk to, uh, you know, on on social media, or that you know you're getting likes on TikTok. Suddenly, that fills in a void of loneliness that you have 
but it doesn't do a good job because in our in our yeah. minds we we really know that it's not it's not real it's not genuine because it's virtual and i think that has led to a lot of problems for gen z this is the most mentally ill generation to date they have yeah. astronomical rates of suicide depression anxiety and they they cannot form real human relationships starting with romantic relationships i mean mm-hmm. The vast majority of of young men have never approached a woman for a date. I mean, we we they're having there are less relationships. There is there's less intimacy had, and I think that this trend is a reflection of all of these problems that's facing the youngest generation in America and really the future of America. Yeah, I remember about 15 years ago, I was starting to hear from young women saying, "The guys at my university they don't date. They they want to you know talk just by phone. They want to hook up." but they're not asking us on dates. And I was like, why? Like, I was so confused by what was happening, but I realized people think by texting, it's a date. You know, that's not a date. That's not getting to know each other. That's not showing any kind of investment in another person. And and yeah, these social media is replacing authentic connection. Um, and as you said, they're losing people skills and you can track. They, they have, uh, we've had people on our podcast uh, who've done these kind of studies and looked at these kind of studies where they can literally see the date, the year that sort of social media took off, and they it and you 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 see social media taking off, and you see mental mental health issues and uh, you know uh, and depression going right along with it. They're hand in hand because, as you said, those. Um, those interactions online just can't fill us and it's just not real. And there's no substitute for real people. So it's an interesting trend, the tube girl trend. Um, I wish her luck, but sadly, it's a reflection of some deeper stuff going on for young people and emptiness. Um, that I think only probably God can fill. So that's a whole other topic. Um, Evita, great talking to you. Three really great topics um, on a tough week. It's nice to take a break from some of the hard stuff. So I really thank you for joining me this morning. Yes. Um, if, if you've enjoyed the conversation, I know I did, uh, let us know, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download po- podcasts. You can always listen to us ad-free with the Fox News Podcast, Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Um, when you get us, subscribe. You'll get alerts, let you know when the next episode's up and gives you access to all of our library of past episodes. We hope to see you around the kitchen table later on this week. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.